0: Well, good morning, Fondren Church. It's pretty weak. Let's try it again. Good morning, Fondren Church. Hey, that's better. That's better. It's great to see you guys this morning. Hey, my name is Lee Smith, and uh, I am uh, not a member here at Fondren, but I am a friend here at Fondren. Uh, I'm a professional counselor, and I get to come and be a part of what God is doing right here in this church, in this community, every single Monday. Uh, I get to come and hang out with some of you guys every week, some of the staff, And I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, You know, I I am married. uh, We just celebrated 16 years this past month. And then in two weeks, my wife, check this out, we're going to be in the Bahamas. And I cannot tell you how fired up I am. So if you see me check out at some point, it's because palm trees are going through my mind right now. All right. So y'all just bear with me in that. But uh, married for 16 years to just an extraordinary woman. Three kids, uh, their ages are nine, six, and three. And uh, I should have thought to bring a picture, but I've got plenty on my phone. Just see me afterwards and I can hook you up with that. But um, you know, when uh, being here every Monday and getting to see this staff and be around this staff, there are three things I can tell you that mark this staff. One is this, these guys love Jesus with all their heart. They love you guys with all their heart and they love this community with all their heart. I'm gonna tell you something, you are very blessed to have the team you have here at Fondren Church, you do. All right, um, Robert called and he asked me He said, hey, would you, would you mind filling in for me? And I said, man, I'd love to Thank you for the opportunity He said, there's two things One, you can speak on anything you want to speak on right? Second thing was, he said, you can't stink it up though All right. So my commitment to you is to try not to stink this morning Robert, if I do, just tag in Okay, buddy, we'll be good to go All right Glad to be here. Hey, I don't know if you guys caught this or not last year, but uh, on all the major news networks, they caught this on January the 13th. Something pretty crazy happened. Uh, Southwest Flight 4013 was making its initial descent into the Springfield Branson National Airport. It was several miles out that pilot Mark Weiss he radioed ahead to an air traffic controller requesting permission to land. And the voice that came back over his headset said, hey, look, we got you on, your ra- on our radar, and you were clear to land on runway one, So he locked in the final coordinates. He made his flight pattern line up to, to the runway. It was when the bird touched down that he knew something was gravely wrong. The runway was only half the distance needed to stop the Boeing 737 plane. And knowing he only had fractions of seconds to decide what to do, he decided to do a hard break on the plane. And the plane stopped literally 500 feet before going off an embankment onto US Highway 65. Did anybody catch this? All 127 passengers on board, they were without harm. But Mark was sitting there going, what in the world just happened? It was in the following moments that he learned why the runway was only half the distance. He landed at at the wrong airport. You see, somewhere along the way, Mark stopped uh, relying on the instruments in his plane and he started listening to the voice in his head of the air traffic controller and he changed his flight pattern and he landed seven miles away in Taney County, Missouri, a small private airport. Is that nuts? Absolutely crazy. I'm glad I wasn't on that plane. You and I can sit here this morning, we can say, man, how in the world can a guy, he was a 20 year veteran pilot. How in the world can a guy like that who's done this hundreds of times, he could land a plane in his sleep. How does he make such a boneheaded decision that put not only himself, but the lives of 127 other passengers on board in jeopardy? But here's the reality. You and I, every single day, are tempted to do the same thing. Every single day, you and I have voices in our head, our thoughts. Anybody wanna to care to guess how many thoughts you have a day? What research shows is you have about 65,000 thoughts a day. 65,000, isn't that crazy? That means just in the few moments I've been up here already, you've had north of 50 to 75 thoughts, right? Man, I hope my kids are behaving back at the nursery this morning. I am already so hungry. I hope there's not a long line at Babaloo afterwards. I got that project lined up this week at work. I can't stop thinking about that. I brought my friend today, and of all days, Robert Green's not preaching today. <laughs> right? 65,000 thoughts. Now, watch this. This is crazy to me. Of the 65,000 thoughts you have a day, 48,000 of those thoughts are Negative. Now, I don't know how they measure that, but that sounds about right to me. How about to you? 48,000 thoughts a day are negative. Would you listen to what Proverbs 23, 7 says? It says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Theologian A.W. Tozer said this. He says, what we think about when we are free to think, that is what we are or will soon become. And church, I wonder this morning, if we had the ability to connect your brainstem up with the speaker system in this church today and we could hear your voices, your thoughts in your head, what would we hear? For some of you are like, dude, that would freak me out if you could hear what's going on up here, right? What all voices would we hear? I also wonder whose voice would we hear? Maybe we'd hear the voice of a spouse or an ex-spouse, Maybe it's the voice of a mom or dad who wasn't there for you when you needed them to be. Maybe it's the voice of a friendship that's going wrong, or maybe it's the voice of your past. Maybe it's the voice of, of, of shame, and you can't get out of your mind what you did last year, last week, last night. And the voices just keep coming. They keep coming at you strong. Maybe we'd hear the voice of God in your life. Listen, if you're like me, you'd probably hear all of those voices. Would you listen to what Charles Spurgeon said? He said this. He said, beware of no man more than of yourself. Why? Because we carry our worst enemies within us. And some of you may say, wait wait, wait a minute. Lee, I thought that Satan was our enemy. And church, you would be right. He is our enemy. But it's time for us to wake up and realize where he chooses to engage the battle every single day. And it's right here in our mind. And what I want you to hear today is that the voice you listen to determines the future you experience. Can I say that again? The voice you listen to determines the future that you experience. So, listen, among all the voices, among all the thoughts that you and I hear every day, 65,000 strong, it is critical that we allow God's voice to be the voice that leads us. And I'll tell you, church, it's gonna be one of the hardest disciplines you've ever had to create in your life. And I'll also tell you it's gonna be a battle every day to manage it. So this morning, if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn to Isaiah 55. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there is a Bible, it should be right there uh, in the pew with you, it's a black ESV Bible, but we're gonna be in Isaiah 55 this morning. So the prophet Isaiah, he's writing here to uh, the people of Judah and Jerusalem. And these people had basically, they had turned their back on God. They had turned their back on God and they had started basically listening to other things, other ideas, other thoughts. And in doing so, they had become enslaved and far away from God. And Isaiah is writing to these people and he's really beckoning him. He's calling him. He's saying, listen, come back under alignment. Come underneath God's voice again to be renewed and if you're here this morning you would say you know what man my thought life is messed up every day I'm bombarded with negative thoughts I can't seem to shake them maybe you're here today and you're battling depression or an addiction and I want to tell you that there's good news in what you're about to hear Isaiah 55 we're going to read start in verse 1 we're going to read the first three verses this is what verse 1 says it says come all I love that, all, come all. You who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Isn't it cool you can leave your pocketbook at home when it comes to God's table? Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. And your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. You know, the first thing we see here in verse one is Isaiah's issuing an invitation out for all who are thirsty, all who are broke, all who are hungry. The invitation extended to all of us even today, come, sit at the table. And you know what's really interesting here? When you look throughout scripture, you see a rhythm that God has established. You see a rhythm that God has established. There is always a call that God issues out and there's always a response that's warranted from the call. I mean, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, where God said, hey, look, let there be light. There was a call, and there was light. There was a response. You can look at Moses being called out to lead God's people, and him responding. You can look at Noah being called out to build an ark, and he responded. You can go all the way through the New Testament to Jesus, calling out to the disciples, saying, drop your nets, boys. Come follow me. And they dropped their nets. There was a response. You say, Lee, what's the big deal about that? Here's the big deal is that the same pattern that God used to establish the universe will be the exact same pattern that he uses to establish our lives by. You see, everything, everything in our life will either be built up or destroyed by the words we listen to and respond to. The voice you listen to determines the future that you experience. You see, Isaiah's writing to these exiles and he's encouraging them, stop listening to God's voice because they had started listening to another voice. And he's inviting them to be uh, restored. And if you're here this morning, and you find yourself thirsty and broke, can I tell you something? If you're thirsty and broke this morning, it's pro- probably because of two reasons. One, you've never responded to God's invitation in your life to come and even sit at the table. Or two, you're sitting at God's table this morning and you stop listening to his voice and you're feasting on a voice of something else. I'm gonna go down memory lane for a second. Is that okay? Um, I don't know if, uh, uh, look, I don't know who Bobby Vinton is. It doesn't matter. Any Bobby Vinton fans in the house? Robert's a Bobby Vinton fan. I see a Bobby Vinton fan in the back. I see your hand, sister. Uh, what is this right here? It's a vital record. Right? Can I tell you the memories that this brings back for me? Every Saturday morning, I grew up in the Delta. I grew up in Greenwood. Any Delta people here, by the way? Some Delta? Great. Awesome. Good people right there. Y'all take notice of those hands. All right, so we would listen every Saturday morning. We would listen to vinyl records. It was kind of like a routine in the Smith home. We would clean our house and we would put on a vinyl record. We listened to a lot of Elvis growing up, all right? Now, how many of you remember the clicking, the popping? Remember that, the vinyl record? For all of you young folks, let me just introduce you to something, okay? Here's the deal. Before iPhones, before MP3 players, CDs, cassette tapes, go back to 8-tracks, we had vinyl records. Now, there was, very, there was a very important kind of a rule you had to follow when it came to vinyl records. When you got through listening to the vinyl record, what did you have to do? Put it back in the sleeve. Why is that important? Because it would get scratched. Now, when a vinyl record would get scratched, here's what would happen, all right? When the, the, the vinyl record would still play, but when the needle got to that point of the scratch, it would repeat, 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 repeat. Remember that? Until somebody got up and went over, and took the needle and moved it over the scratch, and then you could hear the rest of the song that wasn't interrupted by the, by the scratch, right? Isn't that cool? I miss that. I miss that. Here's what I know. Is that our souls are just like vinyl records? Let me explain that. It is impossible, listen, it is impossible for you to go throughout life without being wounded in some way. You see, we've been wounded by our own sin. We've been wounded by the sin of other people. And what happens in that moment when we get wounded is there's a scratch that goes on our soul. Now watch what happens because this is very critical. It's at the moment the scratch goes on our soul that the enemy begins to do some of his best work. It's in that moment when we're vulnerable and we're weak that the enemy comes and he places a lie on that scratch that will continue to repeat, repeat, repeat throughout your life until you do some work with God that's necessary to remove it. It stays on you, keeps staying on you. Now watch what happens next. Once the lie is bought into, once the lie is bought into, here's what it loves to do. It loves to go find about a 100 or 1,000 other thoughts or lies that look and smell and taste a lot like that lie, and they begin to have a party right there on your scratch, on your soul. And if we're not careful, what will eventually happen is we will go from having an unbiblical thought life to having an unbiblical belief life. You see, unbiblical thoughts over time lead to unbiblical beliefs And before you know it, you begin to agree to some things that God never intended for you to agree with. Now, here is some of the craftiness of our enemy at work. is when that belief is bought into, and you become convinced that so many of those lies just can't be wrong, the voice inside switches to first person. Now watch this. It no longer says, well, she doesn't think I'm good enough, He doesn't think I'm good enough. It switches to, I'm not good enough. Did you catch it? It goes to being part of our identity. Would you listen to Proverbs 23, seven again? It says, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. Let me ask you something. Do you think that Satan, once he knows you've bought into a a lie and a belief that he just says mission accomplished and he walks away, or do you think he stays at you every day and just nags at you more and more? That's what he does. Brennan Manning, love Brennan Manning, wrote the book uh, Ragamuffin Gospel. This is what he said. Great deeds remain undone, and the possibility of growth into greatness of soul is aborted. There's a lot in that statement. Can I just read it to you again? Great deeds remain undone and the possibility of growth into greatness of soul is aborted. Church, can I ask you this morning, what great deeds remain undone in your life because of the lies you've bought into? You see, lies create limitations. And when lies are not confronted, callings are not fulfilled. You see, a lie will fuel depression, a lie will fuel anxiety and addiction, lies will change the way you see God, lies will rob you of your marriage, lies will steal from your kids and ultimately cause you to kind of give up on all your hopes and dreams. And Isaiah knows this when he's writing to these exiles in Judah and Jerusalem, he is beckoning them, he's calling them come back underneath God's voice so you don't miss out on your possibility of growth into greatness secondly in verse two we see this we see that we have a choice on what we get to eat would you look at verse two again it says why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy listen listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest affair isn't that great That when you attune your heart and your ear to God's word, you get to eat char, walkers, manship every day of your life. Not Burger King, Taco Bell, McDonald's. If you own a McDonald's, Taco Bell or Burger King or one of those, my kids love you, by the way. All right. Speaking of my kids, when I read this verse, I thought about my daughter, Millie. And I think we have a picture maybe of Millie up here somewhere. She is my heart. I uh, love that girl. She's amazing. And I wanna tell you something about Millie. Millie loves candy. It's her uh, spiritual gift. Um, and you may say, well, dude, what kid doesn't love candy? I'm gonna tell you something. I would challenge your kid to Millie and she would eat your kid under the table with Jolly Ranchers. No, no competition, I'm telling you. If we wanna discipline Millie, all we have to do is remove candy from her life for a 24 hour period and she goes crazy, crazy. Here's what Millie will do. About an hour before dinner time, she will go find a piece of candy somewhere. She's got this radar. She'll find it, she'll eat it. What happens at dinner parents? Does she eat? No, I'm not hungry, I, just can't, I, can't, I can't eat. What happens two hours after dinner? I'm starving, I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry. Why is that? It's because candy was never meant to nourish her. It was never meant to nourish her. It was a temporary fix. And The same is true when we listen to other voices in our life. They are never meant to nourish us. They may provide a quick fix for you, make you feel good, make you forget about your pain. But the reality is you're starving yourself more and more and you're growing more and more unhealthy. And Isaiah is saying, come back, come back to what satisfies you know, when Isaiah is speaking here, he almost sounds like I do when I talk to Millie. Did you catch what he said? He said, listen, listen to me. Why did he repeat himself? You ever do that, parents, to your kids They have the younger ones? Listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Is Isaiah yelling at us right now? Is that what he's doing? No, he's not. You see, any time in the Old Testament when you see something repeated like this, it usually refers to covenant. There's a promise here. And Isaiah is encouraging these exiles. He's saying, listen, if you would do this, there is a tremendous promise to you. Your soul is gonna delight in the richest affair if you'll just listen and obey God's voice. John 10, three through five says this. It says, the watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him, why? Because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Can I tell you that I'm a pilgrim here this morning on the same journey that you're on. And one of the things I'm learning is the longer I walk with the Lord, the more distinct his voice becomes. Y'all remember the day before caller ID? Younger ones was like, nope. Caller ID. Remember that before that? We had an old rotary phone on our, in our kitchen, and the only way you knew who was calling you was to do what? You had to pick that joker up and answer it, right? Now watch, do you remember this, though? You would know within a fraction of a second who was on the other line. Why? Because you had spent so much time with them. You knew their voice, their inflection even if you had friends like I had and we used to do a lot of prank calls, remember prank calls? Those were fun back in the day too. That even when a buddy would call me and try to pretend he was somebody else, it didn't take long for me to figure it out. Why? Because I spent so much time with him. Bob Goff, who wrote the book Love Does, he recently tweeted this. I love this. He said, Jesus didn't correct Mary when she thought he was the gardener. He just spoke her name and she knew it was him, I love that. And Fondra and I wondered this morning, if God himself walked into this building dressed as you and I and he spoke your name, would you recognize his voice? Would you be able to within seconds say, ah, that's the voice of my dad. I know that voice, that's a safe voice for me. How do you choose to eat what is good? How do we learn to distinguish his voice over all the other 65,000 voices we hear every day? Would you listen to 2 Corinthians 5? It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Can I just tell you a simple test that I give myself? I'm a very simple guy. I'm not a complicated guy, I'm a very simple guy. One of the simple tests I give when I'm going through a season where I feel negative thoughts are just kinda coming in is I ask myself this question, does this thought bring me life? In other words, does it align with God's word or does it bring me death? And what 2 Corinthians is telling us is, is listen, church, you need to take every thought captive. Why? Because not every thought you're thinking is trustworthy. Not every thought you're thinking is from God. And so you bring it under the submission of Christ to say, does this bring me life or does it bring me death? And watch this, if it brings you death, you get to let it go. You don't have to hold on to that. When you say, Lee, how do you know that? How, do you be, how are you able to give that simple death? Well, John ten ten tells us, it says the thief comes only. There's only three reasons why the thief ever comes. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So does your thought life bring you life or does it bring you death? First John 4, 4 says this, it says, you dear children are from God and you've overcome them. Who's them? Satan and all of his demons, you've overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That is incredible news today. That's great news. Because here's the reality. I'm sitting in a room or I'm standing in a room with a lot of you right now who you've walked through a lot of hard things in your life. Some of you have been victimized from the sins of other people in your life. But church, can I tell you this this morning? If you are a follower of Christ, you are no longer a victim. You've been bought with a tremendous price. You are more than a conqueror and you are God's chosen people. That's great news. We don't have to listen to those voices any longer. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Why? Because the voice you listen to determines the future that you experience. So we're seeing in Isaiah that we have an invitation to come and sit at God's table. We're also seeing this morning that we have a choice on what we're going to eat. And finally, we see in verse three exactly what's on the line here. Would you read verse three to me or or for me? You wanna read it to me? You can do that too. (laughs) Verse three, give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Life and death are on the line. Notice that. I will make an everlasting covenant with you My faithful love promised to David. You see what food is to our bodies, our thoughts are to our soul. There's a really a stark contrast here in what you see in Isaiah 55 and then what you see back in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, God told Adam and Eve, listen, don't eat of that food. That food will bring death. In Isaiah 55, God is basically saying to us, hey, but there there is a proof food. If you eat this food, it will bring you life. The way you overcome Listen, the way you overcome the lies, the way you overcome temptation is you learn to stand on God's promises. Jesus himself was tempted and he modeled this for us by standing on God's truth. Here's what the lie will say. Your spouse is never gonna change. You just need to have your needs met outside your marriage. But God's promise says in Philippians four nineteen, and my God will meet all your needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The lie will say you're weak. You've messed up too many times. You're just an addict. God is done with you. But God's promises in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The lie may tell you that you are beyond hope and that nothing good can now come from your life. And church, would you be reminded of God's beautiful words in Romans eight twenty eight? That we know in all things, all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. The way we overcome the thoughts and the lies is over time we keep standing on the truth of God's word. You know, as we wrap up today, I wanna share with you um, something that happened to me this week that really drove verse three home for me and what is on the line between life and death. I had a pastor in South Mississippi call me and he said, hey, listen, um, I need you to see somebody in my church for me. And I have a big favor to ask, can you see him this week for me? So the background here is uh, this 45 year old gentleman had um, unsuccessfully attempted suicide last week two years ago same thing he would have been successful this time had his wife not gone home and just found him and so I agreed to see him and he came and he sat and we talked for a couple hours and um just oppression depression just was all around this guy and I just asked him a question I said hey look do you ever remember a time in your life where depression wasn't a part of your life? And he thought for a second, and he said, yes, I do. I was eight years old, and that's the last time I ever remember being happy. I said, what happened after that? And his face just dropped. He had a conversation with his dad that um, his dad was an 18-wheeler truck driver, and he had to make a run up to Wisconsin, and he was gonna make his way back as the week unfolded. And then his son, at the time, who was eight, made a simple request from his dad. He said, dad, will you promise me you'll be home this weekend so we can go camping? And the dad said, I promise you, son, I'll be there. His dad's driving back through Missouri when a line of thunderstorms and tornadoes come through the area. Instead of trying to find safe refuge, his dad decided he was gonna keep going and literally a tornado hit him on the interstate, took his truck, slung him into a, um, just an embankment and it killed him. And that boy who was eight years old, who's now 45 at that moment, his soul got scratched and the enemy came and placed this lie in his life. It's your fault. You made him promise you he would be there and now, he'll, He's not here because you made him promise you and he was just doing what you said, right? Now, this guy has been holding on to this since the age of eight. He's 45. Do you see how verse three really comes to light? there? Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. Where are you this morning, church? Where are you? Have you received the invitation from God to even come and sit at his table? Maybe you're at the table this morning, but you've been letting God's food kind of pass by you. And you've kind of gotten distracted over here and you're feasting on the things of the world that provide temporary fixes, but ultimately leave you more hungry. We have a choice. We have a choice. And there are great deeds that still remain undone.